Come on, shop. Well, it's time to record now. Yeah, Wonder Rob, I just can't wait to record now. We met on stage because we like to perform now. We're turtle bros and bashing all of our foes now. It's time to celebrate our energy. With new shows for you, the blast every other week. Come on, shop. It's time to let our geeks speak. I hear you, Rob. My geeks speak has crazy tech. We both love Marvel. He loves DC. We're both big nerds since 83. Welcome back, fellow geeks, to another episode of Geek So To Speak podcast, your source for all things geek. My name is Shaf. I am one of two co-hosts uh, for this particular podcast, and um, I want to go ahead and just introduce my co-host, my best friend, my awesome, awesome cohort here. I'm talking about Wonder Rob. Yeah, further, higher, faster, baby. <laughs> That's or right. Or is it higher, further, faster? I can't remember. Um, for me, I was phrase. I was drinking whiskey, so it was higher, further, faster, drunker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was eating nachos, so it was higher, further, faster, farter. <laughs> that nacho cheese. That will get you every time. It's what happens. Like, you're lactose intolerant, or you get more lactose intolerant with age, but you also say, fuck it with age. It's right. <laughs> and keep going. Well, it's nachos. You know, you have to just kind of, you know what you're getting yourself into with nachos. That's my go-to. That's my go-to snack. At the movies <laughs> with jalapenos. Oh and yeah, then, I, I knew you liked those. Oh yeah, and then it's a it's a like Russian roulette almost. If I will or will not remember to not touch my eyes during <laughs> the movie. This time when we saw Captain Marvel, I absolutely accidentally touched my eyes. Oh no! the movie, but that's a whole other a whole other scenario. Dang. Okay. Uh, well, um, <laughs> so fellow geeks, today's episode is purely focused on the newest MCU flick. Uh, is it the 21st of uh, MCU movie? You got it. Number yeah. 22 Num- being Avengers Endgame. That's right. So number 21 being Captain Marvel just debuted uh, officially on International Women's Day. Um, myself, I got to see it on that Thursday night prior and uh, Wonder Rob saw it today. Yes, today, recording uh, Sunday the 10th. That's right. So we're going to talk all things Captain Marvel today. We're going to go into our deep discussion. Of course, uh, without further ado, we give you our spoiler warning. Uh, If you have not seen the movie, definitely want to put this sucker on pause. Check out the movie and then be sure to listen after because we have plenty of things we're going to talk about. Lots of Easter eggs. We'll talk about uh, what the future of Captain Marvel will look like going forward in the MCU and uh, and just generally uh, kind of dig into it. So if you are interested, please stay tuned uh, and please make sure to, to uh, hit play after you have seen the movie. Okay, so you've been sufficiently warned, right, Wonder Rob? Yeah, sounds like a good warning that was sufficient. Okay, all right, cool. So you, get, you know what you're getting yourself into. Here we go. So uh, we are going to now dig in to Captain Marvel. 
One of our favorite things to do is review movies, TV, and games. All right, so uh, Wonder Rob, let's, let's start off here with our classic. Uh, <laughs> this is how classic. we do things. This is this classic. Is, I mean, this is, it's, it's trademark at this point. So uh, Wonder Rob, please give us your very best um, uh, word count synopsis. And we're going to say, let's see here. How many words should we give Wonder Rob? I can never remember how many words you give me week to I change week. it every time. So, yeah. I change it every time. So, let's go with 20. 20 words. No, 20 words. For, for, tw- okay. for the, 21st, the 21st MCU movie, we'll give you 21 words to make this happen. Oh, man. Okay. So, so, for those who are just joining us and don't know about this, Wonder Rob has a knack for summarizing movies within a very minimal amount of words. So, it's <laughs> always fun. It's always entertaining. So, Wonder Rob, please show us your amazingness. It's my amazingness. I also <laughs> want to point out before I do this that I also have an act sometimes of totally missing the point <laughs> of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> and only it's, focusing on one aspect that I thought was funny. And it's usually like, within the first five minutes of the movie. You're like, okay, so I'm going to focus on these five. Oh, crap. There's another two. Yeah, like, <laughs> and I get, I'm like, I ran out of words. <laughs> All right, but 21 words. Okay. I think I can handle this. Okay. <clears throat> 21 words. Summary of Captain Marvel. Look good, feel good. Okay. Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war. Carol Danvers comes back, can't remember shit, but fucks up shit. 21 words. Wow. That's actually really impressive. I think that's one of your best ones yet. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> I think you nailed it. <laughs> for, for 21 words to cover that, I think you nailed it, man. Nice yeah, job. No, that's how I go. That's how I go sometimes. Like I said, sometimes <laughs> I nail it. Sometimes I unnail it. This time right. I nailed it. So before we unpack and dig into the plot, and we'll get into far more detail uh, uh, on this movie, uh, wonder, Rob, what did you think of the movie? Well, overall, I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, as you are aware, and I'm sure the general audience is aware, uh, the the hype train that has been leading up to Captain Marvel has uh, been sort of a bumpy road. Um, as we all know, there was a little bit of controversy with uh, some statements from Brie Larson saying that she wants the interviews for the movies to be more inclusive, um, which a lot of people interpreted as no white males allowed. Which, uh, I mean, clearly that's what she meant. I mean, since she yeah. used none of those words. <laughs> yeah, some people. <laughs> so the, the, um, the SJW hunters, uh, you know, came out in full force um, and essentially... We're boycotting the movie online. We're slamming Rotten Tomatoes with uh, a lot of negative user feedback before the movie came out, which prompted uh, Rotten Tomatoes to remove that feature. Of course, they'll say it wasn't because of the Captain Marvel. Uh, what's, what's the best word for this? Splashback. You know, like when you pee, like you're sitting on the toilet to poop, but you, you automatically pee first. And <laughs> then the poop comes out and it's a big old poop. Because you and it splashes back, 
Ah, uh, yes. That's that's the Captain Marvel splashback that happened on Rotten Tomatoes. So uh, yeah, it's the classic splashback. The splashback. So there was a lot of a lot of talk that this movie's gonna bomb, this isn't gonna do well, nobody's gonna see this. You guys shot yourself in the foot. And lo and behold, this movie came out and it was $153 million this weekend, uh, breaking records and being the sixth highest opening weekend of all time. Wow. Which is pretty good. Pretty That's good. So I know I spewed a bunch of these facts at you, which really had nothing to do with my overall answer to your question. But <laughs> yes, I did like it. I did like it. It it didn't feel like the other Marvel movies, which which is good because none of the Marvel movies, at least lately, sort of have been feeling like old or run down in terms of storytelling because each one has such a different feel like Doctor Strange versus Black Panther versus Ant-Man and the Wasp versus Captain Marvel. But I I liked it. Um, Even though, you know, there were some reviews sort of coming out that saying it was sort of mediocre or average at best, but I still, I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. I'm going to say that I liked it, but I did not love it. I really wanted to love it, but I, there were just aspects of it that I felt um, were too predictable. Um, I felt that they played up comedy at times when the comedy wasn't needed. I felt that sometimes the pacing was a little strange. Like it would go to extremely slow um, and almost halt the progression of the movie. Um, And I also thought it really didn't feel like an MCU movie. And I know that you kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, it definitely had its own identity, which I'm not against. Uh, I just felt like it It seemed like they were borrowing characters from the MCU, but it didn't overall feel like an MCU movie. And maybe that's just because it was disconnected in the grand scheme of like the story arc. Like she exists in the past. Uh, the Avengers didn't exist back then. You know, like, so I, I think... Maybe that's part of it, but it just foundationally felt different. You're you're right. If it, as far as the pacing is concerned, it was a little slow going. Yeah, at first, and it, it wasn't slow going that I was like bored or like thinking of looking at my phone or anything. But it it definitely was like, okay, we're taking our time to sort of build up the how we're going to structure this particular story. And then move forward. Like it, it didn't feel like it found its legs in terms of telling the story, at least for like the first twenty minutes. Yeah, no, I agree. Now I will say that the format of it and the structure, because they started sort of in the middle a little bit. Like she already had her powers. She was already on the Cree homeworld Hala, and she was an active. Member. Hala, 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 hala. If you hear me, uh, <laughs> she was on Star Force. Uh, uh, which was an offshoot of Space Force. Um, yeah. Space Force. <laughs> Sad. We're going to space. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, so yeah, Star Force is there and she's under the uh, mentorship of, uh, well, we don't know actually. Um, at the t- This just bugged me. Okay, so let's just get into it. So she, uh, obviously we find out she's an, uh, part of this team, this elite team of, of soldiers. And, Kree soldiers. Uh, that's right. Uh, warrior Cree heroes, basically, or something. Mm-hmm. And um, her leader, her mentor, uh, uh, played by Jude Law, they never once mention his name initially in the story. Like in the movie itself, she's never like, hey, Yon Rog, how you doing? 
no, 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 no. Or it's all like indicated to him, but he's never mentioned by name, which I, I found interesting because clearly they were just continuing that aspect of what they were doing throughout the movie's tumultuous marketing, which was, what are they going to do with this guy? Because they can't seem to get an, a, like a nailed down concept of what is his name? Uh, toy leaks are saying it's Jan Rog. Articles are saying it's Marvel. Uh, and and no one seems to agree. Marvel even released something that seemed to say it was Marvel, and then they redacted that. It's just like back and forth. And so it wasn't until they finally uh, revealed that he in fact was not Jan Rog and was, Jan, I'm sorry, wasn't Marvel and was Jan Rog that uh, that it was kind of. Then they were finally talking to him by using his name. So it was just clearly like an omission, and it just kind of bugged me. Of course, there's an siren in the background, so uh, there's crimes being committed. Woo, woo, woo. That's speak. the uh, the opinion police <laughs> <laughs> coming to get you. <laughs> I was thinking, what, you brought up a good point about certain villains not being referred to by name within the MCU. And I was thinking, like, for example, in Spider-Man Homecoming, the vulture is never referred to as the vulture. That's true. In that movie, but he's credited as the vulture. Um, and they've done it in other movies, but that was just an interesting point that you you made because I've noticed that in movies before where they don't ever seem to refer to people by their 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 actual name. Probably the worst example of, or the best example, but also like the worst for this person is Hawkeye. You know, no one ever calls him Hawkeye. He's always Bart Arrow guy. <laughs> <laughs> or the hawk and yeah, the hawk blah 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 so the hawk's and, up in his nest yeah exactly exactly um but i yeah i felt like it was a really predictable plot um even with like the twists and turns that it had it it just didn't i don't know i wasn't truly engaged certain aspects i was able to sort of make con- conclusions jump to conclusions about like the tesseract for example um it wasn't public knowledge that the Tesseract was going to be in this movie, but for some reason, the way she got her powers and the flashbacks and having this, this power source that can, you know, go to the light speed or enable a vehicle to be able to jump to light speed and travel through space when obviously like just jets that can travel into space aren't, aren't a common technology in the nineties. Mm-hmm. I, my mind was like, I bet this is going to, this has to do something with like an infinity stone or, or, or something along those lines. Like I didn't pick the, the Tesseract completely, but that was just a thought that happened in my mind. I was like, if this, if this explosion gives her the powers, then I was like, well, what could it be? Because in the trailer, it's, it's made obvious. Like they show you, she, there's an explosion. She has, she gets powers from it. And just the way it was, way it was all building up. I, that was my first thought. Um, but I thought it was an interesting, interesting pull to, to have the Tesseract be the, the, the source of the power. Because out of all the MCU movies, that's, that's the one Infinity Stone that's been present the most. It's true. It's true. And it kind of makes sense. I mean, when you think about it, uh, the, the fact that the Tesseract was there on Earth, it, it, it's definitely should have been because we know Howard Stark recovered it. Um, from Captain America's plane wreckage and all that stuff. Uh, so it had been 
something that Shield and the U.S. government were working sort of sort of together on to sort of build weapons and whatever else. And the concept of Project Pegasus kind of makes itself known in this particular movie because we find out exactly what Project Pegasus is all about mm-hmm. um, with this this light speed engine and things like that. So, uh, and that kind of makes sense with the nature of Pegasus being uh, the winged horse, you know, like the idea to be able to fly. So that's yeah. kind of uh, makes sense. Um, I, so, okay, let's kind of uh, backtrack a little bit, talk a little bit more about the plot. So uh, obviously we get introduced to both the Kree and the Skrulls. Yeah. Um, now Skrull I've, introduction. I loved, I love that the Skrulls are in this. I love it. I liked their transformation a lot. I was really interested in seeing how are you going to display that these people are shapeshifters because you've seen shapeshifting a hundred times in movies. Like it's, it's not a new thing in movies. Um, you know, from the, the T, the T 2000, the liquid metal, or it might've been T 3000 actually, but like liquid metal transformations to like something a little more recent, like, um, mystique in the X-Men movies. And so the, the, the sequence where the scrolls are changing, it's like their skin is ripping. Yeah. And, and new skin is coming up from the old one like that. It, it was just very cool. Very, very cool. And I thought it was very interesting that they played up the scrolls, not at first, but as a very sympathetic sort of race of refugees. Yes, that was that was probably the one thing I did not expect. Going into the movie, it was pretty clear from the trailers and everything that the Kree were heroes. The Skrulls were bad guys. Yeah, and 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 Talos was going to be the the big baddie of of the Skrulls, the leader of the Skrulls, invading Earth. And so we're all expecting to get some form of this secret invasion storyline, or at least the idea that Skrulls are going to infiltrate government, and maybe they uh, won't be figured out until the after the events of Endgame or something like that. But mm-hmm. that they're sort of planting the seeds now. They exist in the '90s, maybe after. 20, 30 years or whatever else, they finally be make themselves known and then they take over Earth or something. But this movie sort of flips that whole concept on its head because it turns the Skrulls into sort of refugees who don't have the technology to travel um, at light speed, uh, which I found kind of interesting. Um, and they're being hunted down by this like uh, very aggressive uh, race of Kree, like that, that the Kree are just... Um, destroying them at every turn they 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 destroyed their freaking planet the scroll planet so um and you see a little bit of that with ronin of course this is the introduction of ronin and before i forget i just want to say ronin fell flat he was such an embarrassment i called him ronin instead of ronin the accuser i was calling ronin the embarrassment he (laughs) totally unnecessary And he looked, he didn't even look menacing without his makeup, like without like having like the black tar, his war paint, his war paint stuff. Um, I just, he felt really unnecessary. Yes, he exists in the universe. It makes sense to have him there, but he just didn't present any true issue or problem because of how overpowered Captain Marvel is. (laughs) You're right. Um, It reminded me of them putting Darth Maul in solo also spoiler for solo (laughs) if you haven't seen that but how they just sort of threw darth maul in there as like look how connected we are (laughs) he's in there too who i did who i did like 
it was um Korath. Yes. Who the the guy um part of the Cree the Cree team who was also in Guardians of the Galaxy who had his if I remember correctly, part of his head or his circuits ripped out by Drax. He did uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy. But I like that guy. I like that actor. Um, and I like the character. They gave him a little more to do. He's certainly not like a main character. I wouldn't even say supporting character. He's just like, you know, extra supporting. He's like a jockstrap. Now, doesn't it make you kind of wonder if Korath is no longer part of the Star Force? Um, by the event, by the time the events of Guardians of the Galaxy happen, mm-hmm. th- that kind of to me seems like one aspect that will probably happen in a future sequel is sort of like the dismantling of the Kree. You know, like with sort of like uh, obviously we're going to fast forward now to the end of the movie. Uh, Captain Marvel helps; um, she assists the and basically sort of acts as like a. Um, uh, shoot, I can't think of the word, but she accompanies the the scrolls uh, on their on a destination to try and find like a safe place for them to uh, uh, colonize. Mm-hmm. And then she also has planning on then taking the fight back to the Kree and sort of ending this war once and for all. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that Korath clearly at the time of uh, Star Lord being an adult and everything else, which is pretty much happening concurrent to a lot of the other stuff in the MCU. Uh, he's not clearly not part of Star Force anymore. He's sort of working uh, in a rogue fashion with Ronin. Um, he's, and he's got a new name, Korath the Pursuer, or something like that. So mm-hmm. it makes me think that maybe something happens with Star Force and the whole thing gets dismantled. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, um, that's actually a good point that you brought up. Sort of, again, jumping towards the end of the movie, um, they they definitely left it open for sequels, but not so much like present day sequels. Like it felt to me like if they were going to continue these Captain Marvel movies that we'd also see these movies set in the past and we're not going to get like a present day Carol Danvers outside of Endgame. I totally agree with you on that. I think you're absolutely right. Um, now, sort of going back to Ronan for a second, like I his his character was boring. I'll give it that. Not any less boring than he was in Guardians of the Galaxy, in my opinion, though. Uh, That's true. But I think his inclusion made sense, even though his character was boring. His inclusion made sense over the the grand scheme of things, just based on what we know ends up happening to him. You know, he's, he's going after infinity stones. He wants to destroy uh, the, the planets and everything like that. So he's essentially going after an infinity stone, sending his guys to go after this infinity stone. And of course it doesn't work and he, he shifts his, his eyesight, you know, onto the power stone rather than the space stone. But that being said, he still fell flat, but his inclusion didn't seem ham fisted to me, but his performance was. <laughs> yeah. It's totally unfortunate. Um, now I will say that some, some, um, I guess additional characters. First of all, let's talk about characters that fell flat since we're talking about Ronan. Um, I actually really was disappointed by Minerva. Uh, mm-hmm. because I didn't think that she was the type of character that you would put in the background so much. I mean, she was so far in the background, she was a sniper. I mean, it's like you can't get much <laughs> further in the background than that. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, they do show her piloting skills uh, once she is pursuing um, Maria Rambo and, and, uh, and all of that. But the fact that she 
seemingly gets killed in combat, air combat, and sort of blows up an explosion. Oh, she that, ate shit. Yeah, that bugs me. Like, Minerva is one of like the biggest villains of Captain Marvel. Like, she should have been uh, saved for a, a sequel. And maybe, you know what? Maybe she didn't die. Uh, and maybe she will be used again. Who knows? But um, it just bugged me that she was sort of pushed to the back. So, yeah, that's fair. That's a fair assessment. Um, what did you think of Clark Gregg coming back as Colson? <laughs> I actually wrote a note about this. I said, not nearly enough Colson. <laughs> <laughs> he, he definitely wasn't in it a lot or as, as much as we were led to believe with how much they were talking about it. I would say he probably had like the same amount of space in this movie as he did really in any other movie or. Yeah, Absolutely. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, and, and, a lot. and, and also considering that, uh, a portion, <laughs> a portion of his screen time was spent as a scroll. <laughs> That's true. They got you with that scroll shape shifting twice at the beginning. I didn't catch that one. Did you think that was happening? No. Yeah. Absolutely not. They caught me right off guard <laughs> with that one. Absolutely. So that was, thought, that was pretty great. I thought his de aging was a little weird a couple of times though. Just yeah. because I know what he looks like. <laughs> Yeah, it it was almost like he uh, was an impressionistic painting or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. Almost like um <laughs> like oh gosh, in um The Last Jedi, oh, I'm blank, I'm blanking on the name, but the the actor who died who they had to recreate digitally. Wow, man, I'm totally spacing out on his name. Anyway, it'll it'll come back to me and I'll spit it out probably 10 minutes or 15 minutes or the next episode. But <laughs> <laughs> but he definitely looked a little funky sometimes with his de-aging, but overall I really liked his character. Um, you can't go wrong with Colson. I wish they would bring him back into the, the main, the main current canon. Like I think it would be good. I know, but I, but I don't watch agents of shield. Are you still up on agents of shield? Yeah, I'm caught up. Uh, they just announced actually probably just maybe two days ago that uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to come back for a final season. I think it's season seven or eight. I can't recall which one it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be back for a, a shortened number of episodes for the season. I want to say like 10 or 11 episodes. So, um, but that'll be it. And Coulson actually, spoiler alert, um, uh, Coulson died at the end of last season. Um, it oh, happened. Again. Oh. Yeah, he died officially because uh, man, there's a lot of the crime going police. on tonight. Jeez, Louise! I live in a really bad neighborhood. Clearly, <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, no, uh, <laughs> so yeah, Coulson, of course, the sort of the concept of Ages of Shield. He was brought back to life um, and uh, continued to work in secret for Agents of Shield as the basically the director of Shield. And then uh, the events at the end of uh, last season's finale, um, he basically got infected and he sort of made a deal with uh, the devil because uh, he sort of assumed the Ghost Rider's abilities for a brief moment of time. What? Have, You're telling yeah. me Agent yeah. Coulson was Ghost Rider for a hot second? Yes, he sure was. <laughs> oh, man, I need to watch Agents of Shield. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, it, it basically sort of, he entered into a, like a death contract with uh, the, to save his friends. And so he got infected by that and it sort of took over and he ended up spending his final moments with uh, his his uh, colleague and also love interest of that season, Agent May, Melinda May, played by uh, Ming-Na Wen. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
Uh, and then supposedly he's going to be back this next season, but he's not going to be playing himself. So it leads me to believe that maybe he's a life model decoy of some kind. They certainly have already introduced that tech on the show. Uh, they had a whole season devoted to sort of that aspect of people being duplicated and stuff. So, um, or maybe they're going to introduce scrolls now that they're canon in the MCU. You never that. know. That they could. could be true. Yeah, that could be true. So he's going to be back, but he's going to be different. Um, and it's going to be uh, the final run. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. But yeah, for anybody who needs a little bit more Coulson in their life, that's the only way you're going to get it. <laughs> Wait, one more question about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Sure. So we'll get back to Captain Marvel in a second. So we might be spoiling also Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for people. So just be ready for that. Did this last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. reflect uh, Avengers Infinity War at all? Like That's a really snap, good question. Happening? No. Uh, no, it did not. It, they did address that Thanos... Um, uh, I forget how they worded it, but that there was some pending invasion or something like that, but that there was happening somewhere else. I think that the events that they were doing dealing with happened in... I want to say Chicago or something like that. And mm-hmm. so they weren't like at the epicenter of the action, but also that they weren't, uh, whatever action was happening was happening prior to the events of the snapping. So <laughs> interesting. Uh, so, and that, I, I don't, that kind of bugs me too, because, you know, like they had built this show around the idea that it was all connected. That was like one of the main things. Like, in fact, the, the aspect of Winter Soldier happening in the dismantling of shield it totally affected the show from that point on they were on the run they were they were shunned by society and they couldn't exist as shield they um because shield was now hydra it was a whole big thing it was it was fun to watch at that time but then somewhere along the way they just they just kind of stopped caring if they matched up to what was happening timeline wise in the mcu so um so i don't know man um maybe next season we'll address it i don't know well, they probably couldn't just fade away. Again, not to focus too much on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. here. We'll get back to Captain Marvel. But as you were saying it, it hit me that if it, within Avengers Endgame, like if everything just gets undone at the end of Avengers Endgame and we move on, if they snapped them away at the end of this last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then Endgame comes out and everything's undone, they can't really just continue the show with people having been snapped and then bringing them back without having to explain what happened on the show. Exactly. You know I mean? yeah. So maybe that's why they're not doing it. Um, okay. Anyway, Agent Coulson. <laughs> we <laughs> like him. We had to talk about a whole other show to talk about Agent Coulson some more. <laughs> but now, yeah. So Coulson at one point was a Skrull. So let's talk a little bit more about the Skrulls. Um, I still feel like they have some great material to build into a secret invasion. The reason why I say this is because they painted the Skrulls in such a sympathetic way that our guard is down now. Now we look at the Skrulls as like the good guys. Mm -hmm. And so now is a perfect time. I mean, think of people, think of like human beings. Obviously there's some good people out there. There's also some real shitheads. So, you got to imagine within the Skrulls, they can't all be good. They can't all be refugees with the same like the same like mind of they just want to get away from the Kree. Perhaps some of those Skrulls that were on Earth are still on Earth, and they oh still, yeah, and they maybe, they made a point of saying a line like that, right? That they they spread out all over the universe at this point. Yeah, yeah, and um, wouldn't it be interesting if if uh, Minerva? survived and she like sort of ended up 
training a group of like rogue scrolls, and then she's like behind like this plot to um, deal with. I don't know. I just kind of like my little like thought would be like she's she's still alive. She could be a villain in the next one, and the almost like how Cap. Captain America had the Civil War storyline within his movie. They could do Captain Marvel Secret Invasion. Um, yeah. So Very that would cool. be, I think that would be a really cool concept. So yeah. I, I've, I firmly believe that they've introduced the Skrulls. It may not happen anytime in the super soon future, but I fully foresee they will mine this material for some, uh, for some Secret Invasion. I don't, there's no way around it. You do not bring the Skrulls in without doing Secret Invasion. It just doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. There was actually a line towards the end of the movie, if not the very end of the movie, that sort of struck a chord with me about a potential secret invasion. Oh, yeah? It was um, Maria Rambo, her daughter, Monica Rambo. It was when all the scrolls were in that little farmhouse, and it cuts to the scene of Monica, the little girl, sitting with a little girl scrawl, and she says, I like your eyes. Don't change your eyes. Yes. Thank you for noticing that. Okay. So I have been scouring the internet trying to find an article that talks more about that because I thought that that was not a throwaway line. That was very purposeful and the intent was there for those that were ready to pick up on it. There was something to that. And I'm glad that you picked up on it too, because as soon as she said it, I was like, oh, dang. Yeah, I did the same thing actually. Uh, my wife saw the movie with me, and she was she was harping on that line, saying, "Who do we know in the MCU that has different eyes? Uh, there's Heimdall, but there's nobody else." And I, we we thought about it, like <laughs> who's been a scroll this whole time? And I said, "Well, you know, I don't think that really applies to anybody, but it it's probably more of a pay attention to this in the future because it definitely was a weird." little throwaway scene and line that, that that didn't need to be in the movie. It was like, it was the same thing in Ant-Man and the Wasp when Ant-Man goes into the microverse and, and the old Wasp says, watch out for the time vortexes, why don't you? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> watch out for tardigrades, they'll eat you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and so I thought that was a, a very interesting line that could be foreshadowing a secret invasion, or even if they don't go to secret invasion, maybe you forget about the scrolls for like eight movies, and then all of a sudden, fucking scrolls, yeah, <laughs> like come back. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. No, I think that's totally, totally right on. Now you mentioned that you saw the movie with your wife, so yeah. Um, I mean, you know, one thing that we've gotten some criticism on in the past is just this idea that you know we're just two guys reviewing a movie of course this is captain marvel really the first solo outing for a female uh superhero for the mcu so wonder rob you know obviously we share our opinions of the movies but i feel like i feel like now is the time right i mean uh, the future is female so like now is the time to sort of get some um i guess get an opinion that's not that of a masculine variety right yeah, like I said, my wife uh, my wife saw the movie with me. She definitely had a lot of opinions of the movie. Uh, and just like you said, you know, we want to we want to take this as an opportunity to widen, you know, the the conversation. You know, have it be more inclusive. Again, we're just two guys, you know, it's just yeah, we talk about movies, we love Marvel, but you know, it's not just a, a two guys podcast, you know. We want we want everybody to be involved. All races, genders, creeds, everything. Uh, so with without further ado, in an effort to widen 
our reach to a wider audience and include everybody. We're going to do a, a new segment, brand new segment. Wonder Kim is what we're going to call her. I like and that. We might, we might do it with uh, Sweet Ginger Fish, your significant other in the future as well, uh, when she comes and sees these movies. But we're going to let Wonder Kim have the spotlight. We're going to let her have her time to shine and let her tell us what she thought of Captain Marvel. It was good. Thanks, babe. That was Very really well nice. Put. Very well put. Uh, just, you know, short and sweet. Loved it. <laughs> yep. It was very good. <laughs> very nice. Very nice, babe. We appreciate that. <laughs> All right. So with that, we're going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to dig further into Captain Marvel, talk uh, uh, mid-credits, end-credits scenes. We're going to talk about Easter eggs, uh, as well as uh, a certain tribute to a certain uh, father of Marvel. So uh, we will be right back after this quick commercial telling you all about where to find us on social media. Hey gang, it's Wonder Rob again. And Shaf's here too. We just wanted to take a quick break to let you know where you can find us on social media. That's right. Catch us on Twitter at Geek So To Speak PC, where I'll be tweeting and retweeting all of the latest geek news. Also, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Geek So To Speak Podcast, where yours truly will be serving up those deliciously geeky posts, not to mention memes, trailers, articles, videos, and much, much more. While, of course, Shop celebrates his inner geek on Instagram with all kinds of geekgasm, oh, inducing pics and memes. <laughs> if you're enjoying what you're hearing, let us know. Find us and follow us, rate us and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We got new episodes every week, so don't forget to tune in. Same geek time, same geek channel. And we're back. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> I basically like tried to draw it out until I have no breath left whatsoever. And then I just sound like an asthmatic geek. That's fine. It's, <laughs> it's fine. It's totally fine. You guys. It's totally <laughs> now, fine. Now wonder Rob. So uh, we were talking uh, before the break about characters that sort of fell flat, didn't really work for us. What about um, characters that really like shined? So, uh-huh. um, let me, I've got a few, but I want you to go first. You tell me who your favorite characters were. I think my favorite character outside of Captain Marvel was Goose. <laughs> Goose the cat. I liked Goose the cat or the flurkin. The mother flurkin cat. <laughs> yes. Um, very cute. I mean, we knew that there was going to be a cat in this movie, her pet cat. We know that the pet cat is really an alien who has tentacles and can swallow whole people and tesseracts because, as a species, they they house little mini universes within their bodies. So they just have boundless space. They can swallow anything. Uh, but I did like that cat, and I thought it was funny. And I, I think we called this on a previous episode. We sure did. That the cat was going to be the reason Nick Fury lost an eye. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> if you called it or if I called it, but I'm, I seem to remember that we talked about this. We did bat. think that was the most prevailing theory that was going to happen. Like, obviously, the idea he says in, um, was it Age of Ultron? He says it. Uh, last time I, uh, I trusted someone, I, or I lost what, an eye. I lost I an believe, eye. I believe it was. Um, I believe that was actually the Winter Soldier. Oh, Winter Soldier. Okay. Yeah. 
But correct us if I'm wrong. Go to Geeks. No, you are right. I, I know for a fact. I just looked up my uh, screenshot. You were absolutely right. It is Winter Soldier. Fury tells Cap, last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. That's right. That's right. Um, but I thought the cat was very cute, very funny. Uh, Daddy liked. Uh, Daddy <laughs> really liked. Um, outside of the kitty cat, I really liked I liked Nick Fury a lot more in this movie than I liked him in other movies because he's 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 a young S.H.I.E.L.D. agent the aging, he looks exactly the same to me in this movie, outside of having hair. Like, well, his I, I, de-aging, like, either didn't work or he's just got great genes. He's got great genes. There's no way around it. He's what, like, almost he's 70? He's in his 60s. Yeah, he's in his late 60s. I'm, I'm pulling um, up right now. Let's all just... right, pull it up. But I really liked his characterization, the the younger, more uh, pie-faced Nick Fury, like there's a whole scene where he's like singing, "Hey, I made a man and missing both man." Like he's singing and he's 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 got a smile on his face a lot. He's not quite as serious. I just liked this this version of Nick Fury. Totally agree. He was on my list just like Goose was on my list. Absolutely, I, he was so much more enjoyable. He was, and I think that it. It's unfortunate. I mean, obviously, we see that everything that has happened since the events of Captain Marvel have certainly hardened him a little bit, forced him to be more um, uh, militarized and ready for future alien invasions of some kind. So, obviously, that's sort of that fear of all of this happening again prompts him to go down the Project Pegasus route and build these weapons out of the Tesseract and everything else. So, um, it, it makes sense that he's not the jovial. Uh, desk jockey <laughs> that, yeah. he's, that he is in this movie but um I, I definitely enjoyed him so much more he was so fun and uh he was a good person to pair up with captain marvel they were a good team together they were fun to watch together yeah and moving on to other characters i thought it was um interesting that they cast annette benning oh yeah as as the the hive mind uh, Supreme Intelligence character. She, I mean, she's an Oscar winner. Um, not that that's... There have been other Oscar winners on the show, but like her her part was so small and throwaway. At least to me, it felt like it was. And so I just thought that was interesting casting. She didn't do a bad job or anything. Don't get me wrong. But she, I felt like she was underutilized. Yeah, well, and I think they did a really an, a very clever thing. So uh, for our listeners that don't know that much about uh, the history of the Cree, or at least the comic book history of the Cree. Uh, the Cree are are ruled by an artificial intelligence called the Supreme Intelligence, and it is basically a disembodied giant green head inside of yeah. tank, <laughs> inside a tank with lots of tentacles coming out of out of like where the hair would be on the head. So yeah. um, it's kind of I, I was wondering, at least leading up to the film, if they were going to actually show the Supreme Intelligence like looking all tanky and everything, but <laughs> they, nah, they didn't go that way. They went a very clever way by saying that the Supreme intelligence appears in whatever form uh, uh, would be, I guess, pleasing to the viewer. So when she's plugged in to the, to that hive mind, she sees the avatar uh, that is shaped like Dr. Um, Lawson. Is that right? Yeah. Dr. Lawson. Yeah. Or whoever whoever is being uh, put into the hive mind just sees it as the person that they admire the most. Exactly, and uh, and so that 
the idea of that she's it's not really the supreme intelligence looks like Annette Benning's character, but that's just how it is for for Carol Danvers. So I dug that, and it, then like it kind of made me wonder, well, who does Jan Rog see? Because that seems to be like a it was a running theme, like who Jan Rog sees when when he gets plugged into the supreme intelligence. Obviously, we'll never know, but um, I, that was an intriguing thought to me, like if it was Carol Danvers or something like that, like if he looked up to her or desired her, or if there was some, uh, some aspect of that, because clearly he is envious of her powers and he doesn't have those powers. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 You're right. Um, Jude law, I thought was okay as Jan Rog. Um, I thought it was interesting that this, movie doesn't really seem to have a villain or let me let me rephrase that it has a villain in the same sense that ant-man and the wasp had a villain yeah where there there's like an overarching sort of bad guy but really when it comes down to brass tacks like what is jude law's yon rog gonna do against captain marvel nothing it's it's it was that that final standoff scene with Captain Marvel and Yan Rung, where he's like, prove to me you can beat me without your powers. And then she just friggin' blasts him into Kingdom Come. <laughs> reminded me of um, that scene in Indiana Jones where the the guy with the sword is swinging his swords around at Indiana Jones and he just pulls his gun out and shoots him. <laughs> that is really close to that. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm sure it was like an homage to that scene because that's the first thing I thought of when I saw that scene. I laughed when she just shot him into Kingdom. <laughs> but I mean, I don't I don't know. Jude Law, he was okay. Like his performance was all right, but like yeah. I, I wouldn't call it super duper memorable. No, I actually put him under characters that fell flat. I didn't really like him. Um, I didn't feel like he was any bit different than other characters he's played in other movies. Like he just seemed like Jude Law. Like I didn't feel like he lost himself in the part. He, there were times I felt like he was phoning it in. I just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't my favorite. Um, but the idea that Annette Benning was, was playing Marvell, I liked that. I thought that yeah. was a, that was a little bit of a twist. I did not see coming. They swapped uh, it on you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Obviously, she factors heavily in uh, Carol Danvers getting superpowers, although the ultimate origin of her getting the powers is far different than the comic books. In fact, even though she gets a transfusion after the fact that sort of gives her some of that Kree DNA, Mm -hmm. it's not like the explosion as it appears in the comic books where... uh, it's Marvel's DNA that gets sort of bonded with Carol during the explosion. And, and she inherits his powers because he's already a super powered being because of like those nega bands or whatever else, all that stuff. Um, for this time around though, <laughs> even Marvel doesn't have any true powers. Uh, she just is a scientist and is on earth using the Tesseract to try and create this light engine, the light speed engine. And obviously that's what uh, explodes and, and gets all over, uh, <laughs> gets all up in uh, Brie Larson's business and <laughs> turns her into yeah. Captain Marvel. Now, um, to me, like if you're going to shoot an engine at point blank range, like you would probably expect it to explode in your face, right? Like she's just standing right next to it and mm-hmm. 
destroys it. Like, do you think that that was her like ready to sacrifice herself for this scenario or what? Like that just seemed like a, a suicidal move, you know? No, you're right. It definitely was a suicidal move, but that my, my thought on that was she wanted her hero moment. And they actually said that uh, later in the movie where she took the opportunity to test drive this, uh, this Quinjet. And they said she wanted to hear a moment. So like when she shot at it and it exploded, that's just sort of how I interpreted it. I didn't give it much of a second thought actually outside of that, but I was like, that makes sense. Like she, she was like, fuck you dude, girl power. Boom. And fucking shot it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> now I also really liked the Maria Monica Rambo characters, um, specifically Monica. I thought she was really, obviously she's just a little kid, but she was a pretty brilliant actress for a little kid. Yeah, she did a good um, job. I dug her. And the implications of having Monica Rambeau in this universe and her existing as a kid in the 1990s means that she could theoretically appear in uh, the, I don't want to say Avengers Endgame, but definitely after that, after the fact in MCU as um the new uh, Captain Marvel. Hint, as hint, either wink, the, wink. Yeah, the new Captain Marvel or another character, Photon. She has a few names that she's she's gone by. Now, granted, she doesn't have any superpowers yet, so that would have to require her to get some. But, you know, you can buy those on Craigslist. So Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I bought them on Craigslist. She just needs to stand in, in front of an explosion. now there were a lot of 90s references in this movie uh there were some good ones what are some of your favorites my favorite one out of the entire thing was um when carol crashes into the blockbuster and thinks she sees somebody and blows their head off but it was really just arnold schwarzenegger (laughs) a cardboard cut out of arnold schwarzenegger and jamie lee curtis in true lies That was really good. My favorite was the loading screen scene that takes place at Maria's house when they're they, they're plugging in that whatever it was and they're all huddled around the computer and like everyone else is just fine like with the wait time that's happening on the loading screen and Captain Marvel Carol's like uh what are we waiting for? <laughs> yeah, it's loading. And it was so funny cuz like in the audience it was very kind of like a meta moment because obviously for them in the past that's normal. Sure it's slow but that's just the expectation. But us in the audience, we have, for those of us that are like older millennials or have lived through that, like we know that struggle and we know that it doesn't exist in the same way anymore. And so it, we're able to laugh right along with it at that sort of in joke. I just dug that. That was funny. Yeah, that was funny. I also liked, I thought it was just interesting when um, Carol Danvers, again, she's in the movie store and she picks up a movie. She doesn't know what these movies are. She picked up that movie, The Right Stuff. <laughs> like that's a movie that was on TV a lot that I, that I watched. Um, but let me tell you my favorite reference, 90s reference. Actually, I'm going to come back to my favorite 90s reference because I think it's going to spur a whole other conversation. So I'll come I think back I know where it. you're going with, with but this. Yeah. Let me talk about one thing that I did like was the music. Yes. In this movie. Now, I did feel like at some particular moments, it felt like they were sort of pushing 90s music at you, like, we're the 90s. <laughs> uh, like it wasn't quite as smooth as Guardians of the Galaxy per se in the with seventies music, but that was only a few a couple of times. But overall, I really liked the music, especially "I'm Just a Girl." I don't know the rest of the words, but I'm just a girl. 
Okay, I have a I have a complaint with that scene. Oh, that, that exact scene. Okay, hit me. So yeah, what you're talking about is the scene. Where's the on, opinion police? They're gonna come back. <laughs> That's the sound of an ambulance come to take me away because the sight of you stopped my heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this this scene takes place on Marvell's space lab. Uh, and it's Carol versus all of the Star Force members. Uh-huh. And it's just this crazy battle royale happening on the ship. And in the background, no doubts, I'm just a girl in the world is playing. And my issue is that whole scene was played up for comedy where she's beating up these, and they're just, they're just getting back up. Like, it's like nothing. Like, she's like using her powers and she's like actively like using them to the best of her ability. Granted, she has the dampener, the inhibitor chip sort of still stuck in her in her neck at this point of the story. But she's beating the crap out of these guys left and right. And they just keep like bouncing and hitting, like getting pushed up against the wall with crazy photon blasts. And then they just brush it off and get back up. And it's just like this whole big thing. And it, it seemed it sort of cheapened her powers that it was more of like, um, like they were being pushed. Like they weren't like she wasn't strong at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and clearly we know that she's not, she's actually in a later scene, literally like bursting through spaceships. Yeah. She's uh, OP. Yeah. She's, like she's good. So I, I recognize she's been sort of like controlled a bit on her power set, but it just seemed to, to be played for laughs with the idea that she's, blasting her uh her former partners into walls and they're just kind of like bouncing back up and like oh i'm still up this is merely a flesh wound you know i'm, I'm okay I'm gonna, you know <laughs> so that that part irritated me and the music sort of helped aid in that becoming like a comedy thing so it, for that scene although it was entertaining it was also to me kind of numbing because i was like oh, she's so powerful like you they don't stand a fucking chance and then um obviously Yonrog has this so I felt like it was their way of shoehorning in this psycho magnetron concept. Cause his, like his weapon was sort of like a, um, like a, a tractor beam of sorts, you know, like he, it was sort of like a magnet. If a magnet could like it adhere itself to anything or kind of like whatever. So, um, so I felt like that was their, their term trying to like, harness some of that origin story for uh, Carol Danvers and whatnot. But I just, that scene bugged me a little bit. You pointing out the inhibitor chip actually just triggered a thought in the back of my mind, that inhibitor chip that was holding her back. And is that the same chip that was holding Thor back and Loki back? Good question. Um, It, it, it looked different. It looked slightly different. Um, and it wasn't controlled. At least we didn't see the actual like hand controller that they would be using to control her. So, um, so I don't quite know. Hmm. I feel like it was probably controlled by the, the Supreme intelligence, uh, in like more of like a Bluetooth way. <laughs> yeah. No, just a thought that popped in. Yeah, no, that's a good thought though. Um, but going back to my favorite nineties reference out of this whole movie was on the subway or a bus, or light rail, whatever it was. <laughs> you get your Stan Lee cameo. It's so awesome. And now this is the second Stan Lee cameo of the movie. We'll talk about the first Uno Memento. But he's holding a Mallrat script, which I thought was hilarious. Because <laughs> it didn't, like, it took a couple seconds for that to really, like, click with me. I was like, Mallrats, it's the 90s. But he, anybody who's seen Mallrats, and again, it didn't click 
right away because I was getting caught up in the chase scene. But Stanley was in Mallrats as himself. So the idea of Stanley as himself in this movie reading his lines from Mallrats like really made me laugh. But then I was like, what kind of fuckery is this? Because Stanley also <laughs> created all these characters that he's in movies about. So in this universe, did he not create those? He just created other things. And he's Stan Lee is himself in these movies. And Stan Lee is the the uh, the spy for the watchers. And it's just it was very interesting. It sent my mind on a whole different thing. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> it was so perfect. They could not have picked a better cameo for him, truly. And you know what that brings up? Uh, it also kind of makes me think back to the beginning of the movie. So um, this was no secret uh, for those that I guess were following the movie closely, news article wise. A lot of people had said or uh, that there was going to be a Stanley tribute prior to the movie starting. Now we didn't know what that looked like. I mean, it could have been like Spider-Verse or something where it was just like a, a quote of his up on the screen or something like that. Mm-hmm. But no, 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 no. They Marvel Studios went and done did it because they replaced every image of the MCU Avengers in the opening title credits for Marvel Studios, putting Stan Lee's cameos in at, with all of those. So we got to see him in all of his previous roles within the MCU. and. Uh, Obviously, the letters that spell Marvel had video footage of him from all of those cameos. It was just such a brilliant moment. I um, I know that people have said that you know it made them start tearing up, and it was an emotional moment for a lot of people. For me, it gave me goosebumps, like all the way up my arm and up my neck. I could just feel like goosebumps. So it was like a really like powerful moment to watch and just be like, just so thankful for for him and everything that he helped build and provide so i loved it yeah um in the hoity-toity upscale movie theater that i go to <laughs> in my local cinema there was clapping and audible woos from the audience and my wife sitting next to me said wow <laughs> after that thing so it was pretty good and then it said uh, thank you stan after Oh, uh, which, which was very, which was very touching. Um, so yeah, it was very cool. It was a very cool intro. And I was thinking to myself after it, before the movie kicked into gear, I wonder if they're going to keep that for uh, Avengers Endgame, or if they're going to keep it sort of, uh, you know, sort of dark and dreary like they did in Infinity War. Hmm, that's a good question. Only time will tell. That's we have right. to wait like five weeks, and then we'll then we'll know. Uh, but hey, speaking of Endgame, let's talk uh, post-credit scenes. Ooh, let's do that. So um, the first, well, let's start with the last one, uh, the the very tail end stinger. Now you know anybody who who has been going to Marvel movies, which is everybody, and everybody who's been sticking around for the stingers, which is everybody, probably figured out the pattern of the the post-credit scenes where you get one real serious one and then one joke one. <laughs> I knew it was going to come. Totally. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was having a conversation with you the other day before I saw the movie. I was like, so there's one joke one and there's one weird one, right? <laughs> you <laughs> called it. And you were like, yeah, you said, yeah, there is. Because you saw the movie before I did. Uh, the joke one being um, Nick Fury uh, likes to store the Tesseract in Goose. <laughs> and Goose hops up on Nick Fury's table and uh, essentially cat barfs it back onto... <laughs> 
onto the table. Now I knew that was going to happen as soon as the desk was there and they, the cat jumped on it. I was like, Oh, here it comes. Yeah. We're going to have an infinity like, stone hairball. Is it going <laughs> to, yeah. I was like, here comes the long drawn out scene of a cat vomiting. And it was, <laughs> and I was so happy about it. I was just like, it was so funny because he's sitting there going Ugh, uh, for like 15, 20 seconds. <laughs> and, and the best part was there was a moment when it seemed like the cat had it under control, you know, like it was like, yeah. it was like building to some like huge release. And then he was like, Oh, um, I think I'll be fine. No, nope, not fine. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. it. It made me laugh. And this guy, there were these people in front of me who sat all the way through the end of the movie. And, you know, the, the joke scene comes up and the guy's leaving. One of the guys out of this group. And he was like, I'm glad I waited five minutes to watch a cat barf. <sighs> Gosh, but he said it a lot angrier and more yeah. sarcastically. And I was he like, probably went to get his money back too. I was like, dude, how many of these movies have you seen? Like, right. you know, this is what they do now. If I was able to predict it, other people were able to predict it. <laughs> I don't know, one Rob. I think you're probably in the upper echelon of genius when it. Well, you know, that's probably <laughs> true. So before um, we get into that end credit scene, I want to briefly say one more thing about the whole eye patch. Uh, oh yeah situation right we didn't talk about it that much so yeah so obviously we find out that fury loses his eye to goose now one thing that kind of it kind of like threw me off was how little he cared that he lost his eye (laughs) yeah you're right he's like "Ah, swelling's going down like they they don't people would ask about it and he's like i'm fine it's fine (laughs) i didn't think he had lost his eye at all up until the glass eye scene i thought they were just gonna be like oh they're not gonna. They're not gonna do it in this movie. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I really liked, though, about this aspect of of uh, Nick Fury, like we knew going into it that we were going to get an explanation as to how he lost his eye. I think a lot of people speculated it was going to be him trusting a scrawl and the scrawl like inadvertently doing something to him that would have made him lose his eye. But you and I were of the same mind that thought that it was going to end up being this this cat. Now, regardless of whether or not Goose was g- going to be a flurkin. Um, by the way, we get one of our best Nick Fury lines ever when he does get scratched by Goose at the end. He yells out, Mother Flurkin! <laughs> oh, and that's two two appearances of Nick Fury in a row where his last lines are, or among his last lines are, are like the mother effing something. You know, like <laughs> I love that. I love that. But it reminded me a lot the whole concept of him, him and Goose. Obviously, he formed he formed this attachment to this cat. He's like a big cat person, apparently, as far as Nick Fury goes. When in reality, Sam Jackson is super allergic to cats. <laughs> Oh boy. So, uh, but the, the, the buildup to this reminded me so much of hot tub time machine with Crispin Glover, you know, when he's like, he's the, 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 I don't know, the bellhop at that, um, ski chalet that they're at. Have you seen this movie? Hot tub time machine. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so Crispin Glover, uh, he loses his arm. Obviously we know that in the future, in the present day, he's like missing an arm. And so when they go back to the eighties the in the past and they meet this guy and he's got his arm, then they're all like watching him get into situations when he's 
clearly going to lose his arm, but doesn't. And it just keeps building and building and building. And the audience is like right there with it. And so for those that thought that it was going to be Goose that was going to do it, all those times that he had Goose up in his hands, up in his face, and we already know that he's a flurkin and basically giant fucking tentacles come out of his mouth and and just like he devours people whole. Uh, the lead up and the build up to that was so brilliant that even after all that went down, Nick still put the goose right up to his face. And at that point, goose was like done. So I don't know. I, it just, <laughs> it, it just felt so much like hot tub time machine, which I, I, I totally appreciated that. So it's, it was very good. <laughs> I liked it. And you're, you're absolutely right. Oh my God. I had, you, I had something to add to that. And my mind just totally blanked. I was going, my mind went in two different directions. I was like, Oh, I think I remember the guy's name from Rogue One. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> oh, um, it was uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah. Gosh, I couldn't think of Grand Moff Tarkin. <laughs> well, I think what threw me off is initially, I think you said Last Jedi. And uh, I think, but I think I knew you meant uh, uh, Rogue One. So Yeah, I think everybody listening probably was yelling, <laughs> you're talking about Rogue One. Not it was like a game Jedi. show. It was a game show. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh man so um that other end game credit scene though the end game stinger or the stinger for end game better way better way to put it (laughs) what'd you think of that dude oh so nice to see the avengers uh obviously what's left of them after the fact they're sort of regrouping back at avengers hq having uh, uh, Cap and, 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 and uh, Natasha as well as Bruce uh, Banner and all of them together, sort of just assessing the damage, all the, the basically like these counters that are showing how many people are missing, which we got a, a little bit of a glimpse of in the Avengers Endgame trailer mm-hmm. uh, of them sort of compiling how much damage had been done across the, across the globe. Mm-hmm. But um, that they're all huddled around this piece of tech that we find out is the cosmic pager that uh was used by nick fury to go ahead and uh, and uh, contact good old uh, captain marvel so they've got their hands on it they're trying to boost the signal dude i loved it i loved seeing them i felt that it's kind of interesting it, it felt to me a little bit like captain america was down some weight <laughs> he yeah, didn't maybe. look at he didn't look as buff which made me think that it was recorded or filmed after the fact or he had you know it wasn't like after, in the midst of uh, filming Avengers Endgame, but I don't know. Who knows? What my initial thought was, it shows them fiddling with the pager, farting around with the pager, and you know this the signal goes out, and they're like, "Why? What's happening?" Try to get it back on. And the first thought in my mind was, "How did they get the pager?" I was like, "They were all in Wakanda." Nick Fury yeah. was in New York, and he dropped that shit in the middle of a random street. <laughs> so I was curious. I'm curious to see how they explain that they managed to get a hold of the pager. Um, I did like that, that very sharp jolt of Captain Marvel going, where's Fury? Yeah. And she looked a little uh, bit different. Obviously we, a little older. This is clearly 30 years roughly later um, uh, for her, but even though she hasn't seemed to have aged too much, uh, maybe aging is different for her. Um, Okay. So, her appearance seems very sudden and it kind of made me question something. So I want to run this by you, Wonder Rob, let me get your thoughts on it. 
So if she has been sort of imbued with the power of the Tesseract, the space stone, which we know from how Thanos is able to manipulate it, uh, as well as how it's appeared um, in its raw form, it opens up portals uh, through Mm -hmm. space. So not time, but space. Uh, And so from one point of space to another, you can pretty much get there instantly. Do you think that her, although we see her flying, do you think that as far as from a travel perspective, one way that she can get from one point of the galaxy to another super fast is that she in herself, because of this Tesseract ability, or that she's powered by the Tesseract, that that includes her ability to sort of conjure a portal or that she herself can be transported from one point of space to another? You know, I didn't think of that, but it would make sense. I okay. mean, it's the space stone after all, and she she uh, she enveloped those powers the same way you know girls envelop uh, you know. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that metaphor. I was trying to be funny, and I couldn't think of a dang thing. But <laughs> <laughs> but you no, know, you're right. You bring up a a very a very good point. So I yeah, guess so only I mean, time is going to tell. Yeah. So, and you know, one thing, it was funny that uh, some articles came out the same day that the movie were supposed to come out saying that basically Sam Jackson had been trolling us all along that these stories about about him uh, basically spoiling aspects of Captain Marvel and her abilities saying that she could time travel and everything. And then we find out that's, at least in this movie, not the case at all, but it doesn't, it does seem like maybe he's taking it a step further in the sense that, if you move through space, you are in fact time traveling. I mean, that the nature of that is if you're on one point of the galaxy versus another, time is moving at a different speed uh, if you're traveling through space versus if you're just standing on a planet. So Einstein proved that. But uh, so the aspect of like how much time has really passed for her may be different uh, versus what's yeah. what's happening in the MCU. So uh, uh, that could account for why she hasn't aged that much. And then also her quick ability to get back to earth seemingly quickly, although um, the range of that pager she said was a, a couple of galaxies. So she couldn't have been, I mean, she's far away, but she couldn't have been too far away. Well, she outside of the dang Milky way. That's yeah. Pretty far. Milky yeah. way is big dude. That's true. Milky way is big. I got to tell you something that happened in the movie though. Uh, okay. Not happened in the movie. But it happened at the movies. Let me rephrase. So uh, the theater that my wife and I saw this in, it's a reserved seating. The theater we prefer to go to, they got those recliner seats with like the little trays that come in front of you so you can put your, your grub in front of you. So I picked uh, two seats in the very last row. It's uh, The way it's set up is there's five seats in the very last row and then there's like the, the wall that, where the projector is you know, maybe like 15 feet, 20 feet long. And then there's five more seats on the other side. And then all the other rows are regular. So I picked two seats in the back row. So we'd be against the wall. We wouldn't have to sit around a whole bunch of people. But when we're going up to our seats, the three seats next to the two seats that we bought are filled with girls. Uh, There's three girls, maybe like 12, 15, 16 years old. So like, obviously some, their parents dropped them off to see Captain Marvel. Long story short, we get to the end of the movie. The Avengers end credit scene kicks up. And you know how in the end scene, in this particular stinger, the first thing you see or the first person you see is Captain America. Okay, yeah. Um, the girl sitting immediately to my left leans over to her friends but whispers very loudly. Captain America's on screen. She goes, who's that? <laughs> and her friend next to her goes, 
I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I turned and looked at my wife and I was like, oh my fucking God, let me, I know these are like 12 year olds, but let me, let me school these kids. Of course I, I bit my lip and didn't say anything, but I just thought it was very funny. Who is that? <laughs> like you really don't know who that is. He's been playing Captain America for 10 years. Oh, they just wanted to know so they could Google him later and then, you know, touch themselves. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not hip to uh, <laughs> the masturbation techniques of teenage girls, but. Oh, me neither. Me neither. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that that siren? I hear it again. <laughs> They're after you, buddy. Oh, it's much closer this time. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh, and one final thing before we kind of close out and we'll have our final thoughts. I really liked how uh, the movie sort of, at least from Fury's perspective, ended with um, him typing up his proposal. For oh, yeah, you're right. Protector initiative. Uh, and then, of course, he sees he's looking through some photos and he sees a picture of Carol Danvers um, with her uh, sort of getting into the cockpit of her ship, her ship, her um, her plane. And uh, as an Air Force pilot, her call sign was Avenger. And so he was like, you know what? That's got a better ring to it. I'm going to change protector to say Avenger. Motherfucking (laughs) Avenger. He got his lines exactly right. (laughs) Yeah, that's what he said. Verbatim. So uh, I just really liked that nod. It was kind of cool to see the, the, um, the beginnings of things. Uh, sort of like planting the seeds for other stuff. So I really dug that. You're right. Captain America was not the first Avenger. It was Danvers. Unless you're going by, you know, time being a linear construct, then yeah, okay, Captain okay, America. Okay, sure, yeah, to... whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other final thought I have before, Wonder Rob, you can have your your, uh, your soapbox. All right. Um, <laughs> I saw this on, I think it was Reddit. Uh <laughs> It made me laugh big time. So there's one of the earlier scenes uh, involving uh, uh, Talos, who is currently in disguise as like a shield um, director of some kind. I don't quite know his official title. Yeah, I think it was Keller. Okay, so um, so he's sort of uh, Nick Fury's boss at this point, and he's telling Nick what to do, this or that. And they're they've got their hands on the uh, scroll body that was oh, yeah. Coulson. And they're sort of doing an autopsy on it, sort of getting a better understanding of the physiological aspects of this of this alien. And right before Nick leaves the room, he lifts up the uh, the blanket that's covering over the naked scroll, so he can check out the scroll's junk. And uh, to keep in character, yeah, to keep in character, good old Talos is like. I'm going to go ahead and take a look at this uh, junk as well and sort of be a, be a human and be a creepy human at this time. And uh, this Reddit person was like, kudos to Talos for committing to his disguise so thoroughly that he would check out his fallen comrades dong. (laughs) (laughs) It's true though. (laughs) I had that same thought, not not the, the dong part. But I was like, wow, he committed. Because you find out immediately, almost immediately after that, that he's he's a scroll, and that it was Talos. And I was like, he just looked at his penis. And honestly, anybody who knows Ben Mendelsohn, who plays Talos, uh, it wouldn't be a surprise. Like, because you can, his voice, he's very iconically Ben Mendelsohn. So even as a scroll, that doesn't change. So it was certainly something that I was like, 
this is obviously he's a scroll. He's looking at his. Okay, this is funny. This is too funny. It was funny. I thought it was pretty good. I love it. Okay, one Rob, your turn. Any any final thoughts? I I despite us sort of picking the movie apart, I did enjoy it. Um, I enjoyed it enough to want to see it again, but not so much like Avengers Endgame, for example, or excuse me, Avengers Infinity War, where I just had to see it like a hundred times. Uh, I'll probably see it again at least one more time before the the uh, end game hits us. But I liked it better than, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I liked it better than Black Panther. I don't think it's the best introductory movie because I still think I like, as far as the newer heroes are concerned, so not including um, Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, I still think I like Doctor Strange's intro movie the best mm. out of all of them. Okay. So okay. far. But that being said, I still really enjoyed this movie and I'm still really looking forward to seeing how Captain Marvel is going to stick her beams right up Thanos's shitter hole. <laughs> All that for a drop of blood. <laughs> right up the shitter. <laughs> yeah, she's going to she is going to do some damage for sure. Um I, I dug it. I, I say a lot of crap about it, but ultimately I, I to pick it apart requires some some really detailed digging. Um it was an enjoyable flick. I will see it again before Avengers Endgame. Um but I want to give myself a little more time just to sort of let it be in the theaters and then I'll come back and check it out again to sort of give myself the extra taste. But uh, welcome to the MCU Captain Marvel. We are happy yes. to have you. Yes. Namaste. <laughs> All right. So with that, thank you so much for tuning in. We got lots of good stuff in store in the, in the weeks to come as we count down the, the weeks and days until Avengers Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Same geek time. Same geek channel. See you later. I'm in love with you. You guys, not you, Sean. No, yeah. But I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>